Thank you, Brother Josh. Praise team. That was very powerful. I invite you to take your Bibles, turn with this morning to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Rick Warren, who is the author of the book, The Purpose Driven Life, and pastor of the Saddleback Church in California, said in an interview that life is a series of problems. Either you're in one now, or you're just coming out of one, or you're getting ready to go into another one. The reason for this is that God is more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. God is more interested in making your life holy than he is making your life happy. We can be reasonably happy here on earth, but that's not the goal of life. The goal is to grow in character, to grow into Christ-likeness. In our text this morning, Jesus has just finished a long day of ministry, of teaching amidst the press of immense crowds and feeding 5,000 people with five small loaves and three small fish. The Lord is now physically exhausted. So as the day draws to a close, Jesus, having obtained a boat to cross the lake, commanded his disciples to enter into that boat and to cross to the other side. In obedience to his command, they hoisted the sail and they began the five or six mile trip across the lake. By comparing Matthew chapter 14, by the way, if you're using your outline, you might write these two scriptures on your outline this morning. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 31, and Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 51. If we take the account in Matthew chapter 14 and Mark chapter 6, and here in John chapter 6, we, we get the full picture of what happened on that awesome night. The disciples are attempting to make their way across the Sea of Galilee when very unexpectedly and seemingly without warning, they were in the midst of a terrible storm. They had a crisis on their hands. We pick up with a story in John chapter 6 and verse number 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he's talking about the large crowd, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing, and so when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him to the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. 
as we sit in this air-conditioned and comfortable auditorium, even on a cold winter morn, it's easy to think good thoughts about the world outside. But you and I know how life is, that there can be and there probably will be darker and more difficult days ahead. The story in the life of Jesus and his disciples in the boat upon the sea conveys that other world I'm talking about, a a world where storms seem to come up out of nowhere and life itself seems to be in peril. If you've had something like that happen to you in your life, it probably shook you to your very core. Then, if that has happened, you understand what I'm talking about. When those storms come, the once calm lake of our lives becomes a storm-tossed, angry, and raging sea. This story is about that. It's like when the physician comes back with a bad report. Or when you're startled in the night by a late telephone call and the voice on the other end says, I have, I'm afraid I have some bad news for you. Then the waves begin to beat and the boat seems if it's sinking and you wonder, where is Jesus in the storm? In answer to that question, I want to share with you from this biblical story some truths about the storms of life. First of all, I want you to see that storms come as a part of every life. Even the hand-picked disciples of Jesus experience a storm. Now, there are two basic ways that we can run into a storm. One is to flee from God's will, like Jonah did. A great storm blew up and he ended up in a fish's belly. But what the disciples experienced is different. They were in the middle of a storm because they were obedient to God. The whole point of the story is that storms happen. The truth is that no one gets through life without experiencing storms. No one. In fact, most lives contain more than one storm that threatens our sense of well-being. Storms, of course, can come in many forms. The storm of illness, it could be sudden or it can be prolonged. The storm of death, the death of someone that you love. The storm of rejection, separation, divorce. The storm of unjust criticism. The storm of family problems. An analysis of the storms in our lives reveal that sometimes they are brought on by our own stupidity or our own bad choices. Sometimes, however, they are caused by someone else's bad decisions. At other times, there just doesn't seem to be any way that we know why the storm has come into our lives. So first of all, not only do storms come as a part of every life, but secondly, 
Storms come even in the center of God's will. You know, if you really don't learn anything else, I hope you learn this. If you're in a storm right now, you may be thinking to yourself, Lord, what have I done to deserve this? It may not be that you have done anything wrong. The problem may be that you thought or you have been taught that life would be smooth with Jesus in your life. You thought with Jesus in your life there would be no storms, there would be no unmanageable waves, and certainly no cause for fear. But the problem is that just isn't true. And if you live very long, you know that it's not true based on your own experience. But maybe you thought, then there must be something wrong with me. The truth is that Jesus does not teach that, and he certainly does not promise that we will live without problems. Even when believers follow the Lord's bidding, they will face hardships. Just as we've seen in the text this morning, Jesus' disciples were doing God's will when they got in the boat and began across the lake, for he had commanded them to do so. Yet they were battered by a dreadful storm, and they seemed to be in danger of drowning. You can find a storm right in the center of God's will. The disciples did. I want you to notice that the disciples were in the midst of a storm, not because they disobeyed, but because they obeyed. Matthew's account of this story in Matthew 14, 22 tells us that Jesus made his disciples Get into the boat. The word made or translated in the King James Version is constrained. It means to compel. In other words, the disciples were where they were in the middle of the storm in direct obedience to a command of the Lord. Not only do storms come even in the center of God's will... But third, weathering storms helps us to learn lessons in life that we would not learn any other way. Even though the disciples had no way of knowing it during those terrible moments, the storm was a divinely appointed vehicle to teach them about God and his power in their lives. The truth is, without difficulties, without trials... Without stress and even failures, we would not grow to be what the Lord wants us to become. Without adversity, we would be insufferably self-centered, one-dimensional, proud, arrogant, and empty people. Malcolm Muldridge was a British journalist and an author an agnostic for most of his life, but he became a Christian and he wrote a book entitled A 20th Century Testimony. 
In that book, he said, contrary to what might be expected, I look on experiences that at the time seemed especially desolating and painful with particular satisfaction. Indeed, everything that I have learned, everything that truly enhanced and enlightened my existence has been through affliction and not happiness. Faith must be tested before it can be trusted. James tells us that the purpose of trials is to test and deepen our faith. James says in James chapter 1 and verses 2 and 3, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Moses would have never felt the rejection of a complaining people if at the burning bush he decided not to obey Jehovah. Daniel would never have had to face a lion's den had he not decided to be faithful to God. And think about how much persecution the Apostle Paul would have avoided if he had just stayed in Tarsus. But then these great men would never have known the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through their lives. Weathering storms helps us learn lessons that we wouldn't learn in any other way. And fourth and finally, storms are not a sign of the absence of the Lord. Verse 16 says, And his disciples went down to the sea and got into the boat and went over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. That's an important phrase. I invite you to circle or underline that phrase in your Bible. And Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. Perhaps to the disciples, the fact that the Lord was not with them seemed to indicate either he was unconcerned or he was unaware of their plight. Those are two very important questions. Does Jesus know? Does he care? We sometimes mistakenly conclude that we are alone, that no one, not even God, knows what's happening in our lives and how we are feeling. When we are in the midst of a crisis of one form or another, it sometimes seems that Jesus doesn't care. He just doesn't seem to be interested or concerned about what we're going through. The disciples, rather dazed, look around and tried to understand what was happening. I want you to see three things with me. First of all, Jesus sees. Jesus sees. The storms did not escape the Savior's notice. Mark tells us in Mark chapter 6 and verse 48 that as Jesus sat on the mountainside overlooking the sea, 
he saw his disciples laboring frantically in the storm-tossed waters. He saw not only the physical battle with the elements, but he also saw their inner battle with fear. He had not forgotten them. He was not too busily engaged in prayer to think about them. Jesus, in fact, was lovingly looking on at what was going on in their lives. He knew what they were up against, and he was watching. But he did not make it easy for them, and he does not make it easy for us. He lets us row our own boat and fight our own battles. But he is always aware of what we are going through. Not only did Jesus see, but secondly, Jesus cares. It wouldn't be of great help that Jesus knew what was going on in our lives, but he really just didn't care. The prophet Isaiah records God as saying, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you wade through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord. L-O-R-D, all capital letters, Jehovah. I, Jehovah, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Beyond the fact that Jesus saw what his disciples were going through, He also cared deeply about what they were going through. And his compassion caused him to come to them and reassure them. So as Jesus sat on the mountainside, he could see his disciples toiling and and rowing helplessly. Yet he delayed his coming. He knew what their thoughts were. He even knew that they were wondering why he had not come, why he allowed the storm to batter them so. Finally, he did come to them. But why did he delay? Well, we cannot say for sure, but we see a similar occasion in John chapter 11. It is the story of Lazarus and his sisters, Martha and Mary. Lazarus was sick. I mean, he was very sick, sick unto death. And his sisters sent for Jesus. But after Jesus received the word, he still delayed coming. And in the interim, Lazarus died. When he finally came to Lazarus' sisters, they said in verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, this would not have happened. When the Lord delays to come to us, it's always so that some greater purpose can be worked in our lives. Later, when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, there could be no doubt who accomplished that miracle. But as we've already seen, God has never promised that our life would be empty of pain or disappointment or storms. And anyone who tells you otherwise is not teaching you the truth of Scripture. What God does promise us is resources to journey through 
the raging waters of storms. Soaked and no doubt shivering, terrified to the core, these men had strained to keep the boat headed in the right way direction. They were fearful that the next great wave might take them to the bottom. Faith had been paralyzed by fear. They were afraid that all of them would die. They were, of course, wrong. But so are we when we panic and are fearful in difficult times. In reality, their problem was not the storm on the outside. Their problem was the fear on the inside. And lastly, not only does Jesus see and care, we see that Jesus comes. Verse 19 says, so when they had rowed about three or four miles, that places them about halfway across the Sea of Galilee, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. And then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at land where they were going. Some commentaries try to explain away the miracle by saying that Jesus was not actually walking on the water, but merely standing on the seashore. They maintain that the disciples in the boat were a lot closer to the shore than they knew, and they only thought they saw Jesus walking on the water. This, of course, does not fail. This does, of course, fail to explain why the disciples were afraid when Jesus arrived. It doesn't explain how Peter sank either when he attempted to walk on the water, as recorded by one of the other gospel accounts. Our text tells us the disciples were afraid because they thought he was a ghost. He was spirit. And Jesus reassures them with the words, It is I, do not be afraid. The phrase that's translated, it is I, is literally ego I me in the Greek. And it means, it reflects the Old Testament name of God, Yahweh or Jehovah, meaning I am. He's saying, it is I, the great I am. Do not be afraid. What Jesus was saying is that when whatever scares the living daylights out of you, like it did with these disciples, this strange form appearing in the midst of the sea, doing what is absolutely impossible for men to do, that is I. The very things that oppose you, the boisterous sea, the buffeting wind, I have those things under my feet. I am in control of those events. Therefore, there is no need to fear. Jesus came to the disciples during the darkest part of the night. Matthew tells us in Matthew 14, 25, 
that it was of the fourth watch of the night, which makes it about 3 a.m. The disciples were exhausted. They really didn't know where to go from there. They were tired and miserable and wondering if they were going to survive or not. And only then did the Lord come. We also need to reflect that sometimes Jesus comes in ways that we do not expect. When the disciples were tossed about on that boat, there is little doubt that some of them at any rate thought, if only Jesus were with us, that would be just what they needed. He would find some way of seeing them through. But when he came in a way that they didn't expect, instead of welcoming his appearance, Tells us that they were frightened. That is also sometimes our experience as well. One thing is certain. The Christian life is full of surprises. And Christ constantly comes to us in ways that we do not anticipate. And unless we welcome him, however he comes... Our spiritual experience will always be the poor. You may know the Lord, but you will never know the Lord deeply until he comes to you in the middle of a storm. When he comes to you in the middle of one of the storms of your life, then you begin to know him more deeply. In the lives of the disciples, the absence or presence of faith was revealed in the traumas of life. So it is with us as well. It is the storms of life that reveal our faith. It is the crisis points of life which reveal what we really believe. At such times, we, th- we face a threefold challenge. We can worry we can work or we can trust. When difficulties come, we often choose to worry. But at least on some level, we all understand that really doesn't change anything. When we are faced with adversity, sometimes what we do is we try harder and harder and harder until we see that there's nothing more that we can do And we are forced to conclude that it is absolutely out of our control. Or we can call on the Lord and ask for his help. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 Peter 5, 7. And I'm going to read it to you from the Living Bible. He says, let him have all your worries and cares, for he is always thinking of you and watching everything that concerns you. The Lord really longs for us to put our trust in him. The only one who can take us through the storms, not around, not over, but through. People say, God doesn't care about me. He doesn't care what I'm going through. He doesn't understand how hard this is. 
He just doesn't care. But that's just not true. Jesus tells us finally of the disciples in John chapter 6 and verse 21. And then they willingly received him into the ship. And immediately the ship was at the land whether they went. As soon as Jesus entered the boat, the rest of the voyage was supernaturally accelerated and they were immediately at land. So let me conclude this morning by asking you, are you going through a storm in your life right now? If so, then you need to understand this. Jesus sees what you're going through. You can believe that. You can rely on that. But he he not only sees what you're going through, but he cares. And if you will call him, help is on the way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day that you've given us to worship you. There may be one, there may be many more who are struggling this morning through some storm in their life. And they may have felt at times alone or even abandoned. I pray that you'd help them to see that you really do see what's going on in our lives and you really do care and you really will come. There may be someone here this morning that has never begun the life of faith by recognizing that they are sinners. Sinners just like all the rest of us. And that they cannot save themselves, but that Jesus has already done everything necessary on the cross by paying for their sin all they must do is accept that payment maybe today is the day they need to call out to Jesus and simply say Lord I I recognize that I'm a sinner I know Lord that I cannot save myself that on my own merit I shall never attain heaven but Lord I'm calling out to you calling out to you to come into my life and my heart and change me. I repent of my sins, Lord, and I ask, Lord, for you to save me. It may be that there are others here this morning who know the Lord personally, but they are going through a difficult time in their life. Don't forget to trust in him. And it is through trust Our faith is deepened and that you will know him in a greater way than you've ever known him before. But if you still struggle, lay that burden on him. First Peter invites us to come and, and lay our burdens and cares on Jesus. And so I pray that you'd help us to do that this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you